Today's episode of 755 is Real is brought to you by NetSuite. Successful companies know faster growth requires the right tools. If you're doing one, ten, or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives a full picture of your business. Finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more. All in one place. Over 19,000 companies trust NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash listen. That's netsuite.com slash listen. Seven fifty five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome to Seven Fifty Five is Real, Florida version. I'm in Florida. Eric O'Flaherty is, of course, out in Seattle. Eric, do you miss being down here? Coming down here this time of the year for spring training? Because I tell you, it's eighty five degrees down here right now. It's sunny. Actually, a little bit. I don't miss packing for it and figuring <laughs> it all out. But I don't miss the PFPs that these guys are about to get dragged through for. 45 days straight, yeah. but I miss the guys. I miss getting down there and getting the good weather and, and you know, like the the unknown of a new season. It's always fun to look forward to. Uh, I tell you what, man, it was an absolute pleasure today to fly into Fort Myers instead of Orlando oh, to get on the highway to, to, ride, to drive up here to uh, the hotel where I'm staying at in Venice and have like what what would amount to uh i would say sunday afternoon traffic in in orlando but that's not accurate because sunday in orlando is hellacious with all the disney yeah. people leaving there's not a day that in orlando that you don't easy. miss getting stuck behind those minivans oh my god none of it dude i was going uh, well i don't want to say how fast i was going but i was on 75 it was wide open yeah oh nice. man and the airport is so much nicer it's smaller and the uh, rental cars are right there. <laughs> at the, <laughs> you walk across the street, and they're right there. Anyway, all right. Listen on the on the uh, on the eve of spring training, we had some some news break yesterday. Pretty significant stuff, or potentially significant. Um, it was in the New York Post. Uh, Joel Sherman broke it in the New York Post, and then later uh, Tom Verducci and Sports Illustrated had added some more details to it. But basically, the gist of it was. The MLB proposal, uh, MLB would like to see an expanded playoff format that would go from five teams, the current format of five teams in each league make the make the playoffs, to seven teams in each league because they would add two more wildcard teams. You'd be talking about 14 of the 30 teams in baseball would be in the playoffs, which is basically the NBA all of a sudden. Um, yeah. And how they would get there is what's really kind of revelatory, even even more radical than just adding a couple of, of uh, teams. There's you and I have discussed this a little bit. I I like some aspects of this. I consider myself really a traditionalist, but I actually like some aspects of this. Some others I abhor about abhor about it. I think it are, uh, is beneath baseball a couple of aspects. But let's talk about this. What what we do like? What we're talking about is having. You would add um, two wildcard teams so that you would have seven teams, that you would have three division winners and four wildcard teams instead of the current two. The the top seed in each league, the team with the best record, would get a first-round bye. 
The second seed, and here's one of those radical things here that I don't see any point in other than they're making, they're just trying to make a spectacle of it and get attention. The second team, second best record in each league, would pick which of the uh, lowest three wildcard teams it wanted to play in the first round. The first round would be a best of three series, not the current wildcard games. Those, thank God, would be go by the wayside. I hate the wildcard single game. You play series all year, and then all of a sudden, the concept of playing one game, to me, I've just always hated the wildcard game. Me too. So you would play a best of three, which I I always thought the wildcard should be that anyway. But you would have 12 of these things, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or, or no, I'm sorry. You would have six of these series. 12 of, the, 12 of these series, uh, 14 teams, 12 of them would be playing in the first round. So you'd have six of these series, three in each league, three best of three series in each league. The, the, the team with the second best record would pick of the three uh, worst wildcard teams, which it wanted to play. The team with the third best record, the division winner with the third best record, would, would pick from the remaining two bottom uh, wildcard, bottom two wildcard teams, and then the wild card team with the best record would be left to play the the remaining the remainder of the three wild card teams that was not picked by the other by the division winners. If that makes sense, I hope I didn't. Does, I, was that pretty clear what I'm what I'm saying there? It's hard to explain, but I think you did a good job. Yeah, yeah. So and the freaky aspect of it, other than that, which is just crazy. I mean, not that sounds like something the XFL would do. You know, <laughs> having a team pick which of its opponents it wanted to play. Um, and those best of three series would be in one location that the, with the team with the best record, which is the only way you can do it logistically, you know, and not be playing into the middle of November. Well, and that's um, fine because you'd be playing one game at their house anyway. So right. three gives right. you a better shot. Um, but I think we both agree that picking your opponent is kind of stupid. And we also agree <laughs> on the selection show thing. They, that's that's the whole reason I think they want to do this. They're, they're looking at college football selection show. And they want to kind of they want to have this event because they think people have to you have to dumb it down and make everything an event, and they think that would get a lot of eyes on it, and people would tune in to watch this to watch teams pick which uh, opponent they're going to play in the first round. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, that whole thing, right? I, I don't know who asked for a reality TV show, but I'm not <laughs> tuning in. I just just you know send out a press release. Who who picked who would be fine with me? But you know, what do you what do you think about the picking your opponent thing? Whatever. I mean, it just seems unnecessary. I mean, it's always yep. been good with your record dictates who you play. And, and I think teams are going to pick the same ones anyway, unless it's just a pitching like a certain matchup that, that favors them. Right. But there are some. There are it, some, though, right? Yeah, it feels gimmicky, though. And I, I don't know if we need any more. Yeah. There's yeah, been a I lot agree. of gimmicky, wacky, gimmicky. wacky ideas getting thrown out that, you know, a lot of these get thrown out and then you just never really hear from them again. But it all... I can't even understand it, honestly. I've I've read it 15 times. You you just explained it again, yeah. and I'm still a little confused. It just seems a little uh, a little wild. There are remember there there are there are, there do seem to be a lot of years where your team gets in, and you're looking at who you're gonna you're gonna face, and yeah. you'd rather face the team with with the uh, better record because that other team is so hot. You know, like the Rockies the year they won 20 straight games, including the playoffs. You know, you didn't want to face the Rockies. You would rather play face the division winner that uh, had you know a ten games better record because they weren't as high. Well, the but Phillies did anyway. it to us that one year. They they played yeah. till, till the last game of the season. To, yeah. They didn't want to face exactly. us, and they picked the Cardinals, and Cardinals knocked them out. But I mean, teams kind of do that in a sense already. But 
I don't know if it's, it just seems like, I don't know who asked for this. <laughs> I don't know if anybody asked for it. That's MLB's idea. And we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, I just think that part field, the reality show too aspect, much. it's just, it's just, so, it, it, it's I, not think needed. It's, I think it's just beneath baseball. I don't yeah. think it's very dignified, but I know they're not looking at that. They're looking at money and whatever sells. Um, it's going to sell. Yeah. The playoff teams would be seeded first by division winners and then by teams with the next four highest win totals. Ties would be broken in head to head series. I do like that. No yep. tiebreaker games for postseason entry. Again, you couldn't get it done. You wouldn't have time. You couldn't get this thing. Yeah. So if you eliminate those those days, you know, you have right after the season where they always put aside to play tiebreakers, you eliminate those and you start these best of three series and you can get it in basically in the same schedule. So yeah, and it could be kind of um, cool, you know, like a three game series, the the Marlins could knock the Dodgers out. It's not likely, but any, exactly. it, anything can happen in baseball. It's not like the NBA where LeBron's going to the next round. Right. You know, whatever team has LeBron's right. at least make it to the semifinals almost every year. But um it just for me it just all feels kind of like a way for a team to trade Mookie Betts and kind of do a mini rebuild and still make the playoffs. Uh-huh. Um Yeah, we'll get to Mookie Betts that trade in a minute here, but yeah, I see what you're what you're saying there. I think there's two ways of looking at it. I think the other what they would say, the reason for doing this is is actually the opposite of that is to try to get teams to stop tanking. And the incentive, in other words, to incentivize winning more. Um, and, and the example would be if you get to the trade deadline and your team's in third or fourth place and you're 10, 12 games out of first place and there's about five teams ahead of you in the wildcard race in the current format. So the odds are you're not, you know, even if you're only three or four games out of the wildcard, you got to jump like five teams. You might say, you know what, the odds of us doing that are so low. Let's trade away these guys and aim for next year. Get some uh, trade away our our stud who's going to be a free agent after the year because we can get three good players and uh, well you can't when there's only two months left in the season but we can get a prospect and it'll help us more for the future. Well, under this new format, you're going to have to sell to your fans. Why are you trading this guy when you are in the playoffs? There's a really good chance that you're going to be in the playoffs now because there's seven teams in each league uh, with the two additional wild card teams you know that's that's a tough sell i think to your fans why you're you're unless you just tell your fans you know we still don't have a chance to win the world series yeah and that's and what you, that's you what the mariners that did seattle yeah you and saw that with seattle right i saw it out here uh seattle won i think 89 games in 2018 and their logic behind rebuilding was you know we can't compete for a championship and we want to build a championship team. You know, they, they figured they couldn't get past the Astros. So that kind of goes against right. the logic that just getting in is good enough. But if teams adopt that logic, it's awesome. I just, you know, you can't guarantee they're going to because they've done a great job of selling this whole tanking and rebuilding thing. For me, it's just a way to make money. You know, it's it's a way to spend less and, and kind of enables them to spend less and, and letting them into the playoffs easier. Um, I feel like it just, it allows teams to try less and still make the playoffs and still throw that to their team. Um, but yeah, that was the Mariners logic after an 89 win uh, season. And, and I've been, I live in Seattle. I've been a Mariners fan my whole life and I would love if they just played a damn wild card game, you know, last year I would have been there and it, it uh-huh. I can't tell you what it would have done for the city. Nobody cares about the Mariners right now. They haven't cared well, about imagine it Imagine if they played a best of three series. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would have been awesome. It would have been on the road probably, but it still would have been yeah. fun for the city to, you know, to have something yeah. to cheer for. Cause here it's all Seahawks now, you know. Right, um, right. 
I just, I guess and, my, and my whole thing is I don't want to incentivize teams to, yeah, Sounders too. Um, but I don't want to incentivize teams to in any way to try less. And that's, that's kind of what it feels like to me. Um, like it's a way for teams to get in and, and have this thing, you know, here we are, we made the playoffs, you know, be excited about it. But if you watch the NBA, man, everybody makes the playoffs and it, it almost, it, it takes away from the regular season. Nobody cares because everybody's making the playoffs. So I, yeah. you know, I just, I don't know if there's any way to stop teams from taking, but I don't think this will, they'll find a way around it. And they're really good at selling their plans to, uh, to fan bases. I think it's a little better than the NBA in that the first round of the NBA, like you said, is usually those matchups are so yeah. one-sided that yeah. the games are horrible. And baseball, as we know, any night, anybody can beat anybody. Anybody can beat oh, anybody. Your starting pitcher pitches his best game, and the other guy falls on his face, then it's like... Yeah, I really like the three-game three, three game wild card aspect of it, but I feel like you could have kept too. things the same and just had a yeah. three-game wild card series. At minimum, they should do that. Yeah. I have thought all along, that would be so much better. Yeah, because we won, um, I think, 10 more games than the Cardinals in 2012 and got knocked out partly because of a fluky play. I mean, we were losing that game. But if we would have had a three-game series, I felt like we were the better team. And they go on to win the World Series. Did, and, and if you did it on head-to-head records, that that you get rid of the whole tiebreaker crap. And yeah, I like that. that. Which brings us to the other point. For du- Tom Verducci and Sports Illustrated was pointing to how – this, if they adopt this, it's also going to probably uh, uh, lead to big changes in the schedule. And I'm all for this idea of teams playing all other, all 29 other teams yeah. every year, and a lot fewer division teams, division games. So you would play maybe one three game series against uh, a bunch of teams, but you would play everybody. I really like that idea. It's just stupid now the way it goes. You know, we'll play, uh, the Braves will play Seattle this year, and it's the first time they played them in like five years. You yeah. know, and they'll go six, seven years without playing somebody. And this thing is just dumb. If, if, uh, and especially now, you could eliminate the need for tiebreakers. If you play a team, uh, you know, an odd number of games every year, somebody's going to have an advantage well, in head to head. That's one of the worst things about Interleague, too, is you wind up where, um, say the Braves are playing, playing the Astros for, for three or six games. Yep. And the Nationals wind up, they wind up drawing the, say, the Mariners who are going through a rebuild. And that, you know, you lose the vision by one or two games. You find out the Nationals won five out of six and you lost five out of six. Um, Yeah, it makes no sense. That that thing's been tough. I know NFL, uh, they do it according to, you know, the best teams play the, you know, they flip the schedule every year and all that. You play a tougher schedule and everything's designed for parity in the NFL. But, you know, yeah, with a 16 game schedule, it's different than in 162 exactly. where you got to play a team. You know, you play the teams in one division. So the Braves might have the the AL East one year, and the team that they're you know trying to finish say ahead of it in the wild card race uh, might have the uh, AL Central. You know, and it's a total joke the difference of the disparity between the teams. Um, or within a division, they even have where the Braves will play different teams than the Nationals do. Like you said, uh, when they have this natural rivalry crap where the Braves yeah. played the uh, the, the uh, Red Blue Sox Jays. every year. We played the Blue Jays and, a lot, yeah. too. And, and they, I know right, lately they've played the Blue Jays every year, which makes no sense whatsoever. But those years they played the Red Sox, Red Sox were really good, you know? And so anyway, yeah, it's dumb that to do that. Because uh, that's a lot of games. It's not like one or two. Uh, but so... So what the number one team, the team with the best record would get a first round bye, 
The other thing is, I don't know if you if you're the number one team, if you if you're in baseball, you want a first round bye because we've seen how many yeah. times the team that clinches early that uses that last week or two to set its rotation and get rest its regulars. We've seen so many times. I know the Braves have done it a lot of times where it backfired on them. They could they weren't able to get playing again the way they were for most of the season because they you know they've rested down the stretch and. Whereas that wildcard team that's playing right till the end of the season Go goes into hot. the playoffs hot. Yeah. And and you're looking at a longer layoff because now you got a three game yeah. series, days off yeah. until the division series, and then you got another five game series there that's gonna take at least a week, week and a half. So you're looking at maybe fifteen days off for that first round bye. I don't even know if it's I mean, that's a long time off in baseball and you can't well, you really simulate have, it. You have to play you have to play the, the second round. So the first game the first round's only three games. That's the entire first round? Yeah, they're all they're going. Oh, they would go concurrently. They would go the six games in one day. Yeah. So I still don't. Yeah, understand they would get this. it. <laughs> they would get it done fast. It wouldn't be great for TV because it's going to be on. It's going to be kind of like the NCAA tournament, I would think, because it's going to have to be on a lot of different networks. That's cool. Though. I mean, that's a lot of action for baseball in one day. You know, it is it's like, like the NCAA tournament is great. Yeah, it's but cool. that's the way you would get it in, you know, and 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 in, in a timely manner. Uh, but still, you would have to either not, you know, do that whole rest down the stretch thing because you're all, you're going to get like four or five days off if you have that first round buy. So you really can't afford to take the last week off too. Then you're talking art. You are talking. 10 so days wait a minute. So you'd so. have so you could have two division winners playing a three game series at somebody's park. And one division winner would would go on to the second round. Is that is that what we're saying? Your division winner is going to first round game is going to be against a wild card team for three games at their park. Yes. Okay, I got it. Uh, wow. At the team with the high with the best record, and that last the top wild card team would also host one against the 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 remaining of the bottom three wild card teams. The third the the wild card team with the best record is going to play that after the the division winners pick their opponent. Ooh. The two division winners pick their opponent. The remaining bad wildcard team is going to play the top seeded wildcard team. Oh, so it's not just a wildcard round. It's the entire first round is three games. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. So a division a division champion, two division champions would play two wildcard teams, and two wildcard teams would also face off. They'd all play best of three series. <laughs> They'd all run concurrently. All right. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to be and against it. Would be at one it just ballpark. I don't want to be against it just because it's different. You know, it's just, it's a lot it is to different. take in. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just don't, under, I mean, the, the part I think is that this, the whole gimmicky thing is just picking your opponent and doing the whole selection show. But that's all for TV and trying to make money and yeah. events. They think everybody <laughs> needs events. And I guess some people do, but I don't know. The selection um, show is going to be a hard pass for me. I'm not probably not going to catch too many of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they say on the Sunday night after the teams play the last game of the regular season, they would have a selection show where, you know, the number two seed, the, the you know, the team, the first team that doesn't have a buy chooses the team it wants to play among the bottom three seeds, the numbers five, six, or seven seeds. Then the number three seed picks its opponent, and then number four seed gets the remaining team. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, I just, I look at Our all this. Our seed would host all three games in, in, in that round. Yeah, I just I look at all this and and I know they're trying to make baseball more entertaining and better for people, but you know, like for me, a good place to start would just be to let kids watch their local team on their phone in the back of a minivan while they're stuck in traffic or something. You know, like I think they got to find a way around the blackouts and all that <laughs> well, stuff. 
It's, it, I don't know. It's, it, there's so many money grabs going on. You know, you mean if, not at not at not starting at nine o'clock at night. No, just you get blacked out from your local team, and if you yeah. if you're away from home, you can't watch it. But right, even if you right. want to go online and you want to watch, um, you know, you just want to watch the highlights from your team's game the night before. You got to sit through a 15 right. second ad to watch one yeah. home run, and then you click on the That's next terrible. highlight. You got to watch That's another terrible. 15 second ad. I mean, kids are just going to log off and go watch some guy stream Fortnite on YouTube. And you're just losing them. You know, it's, it's got to be more yeah. convenient. Um, I think that's kind of the part they're botching. And they keep trying to cover up for it with all these gimmicky, wacky shows and crazy ideas. You know, I think yeah. you could just make the user experience better and kind of adapt to how people are watching sports now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Man, I hate I hate 15-second ads to watch. Everybody does. Play. I don't God, watch highlights anymore. I used to watch – I yeah. used to get done with the games. And, and I'd spend, you know, 45 minutes watching highlights from all around the league – and now, you know, it's such a pain in the ass. I just don't yeah. care what happened. I'll just, you know, maybe it'll be on Twitter or something. Well, the good thing is, uh, uh, well, the, the remainder of the postseason, the League Championship Series and the World Series remain unchanged. There's no reseeding after the wildcard series, none of that. So it's just affecting that first round, but it's radically affecting it, obviously. Yeah, it so, is. Uh, Verducci wrote, he wrote that the NMLB realizes that with more teams competing for playoff spots, the regular season has to be addressed. And that's where he said he thinks it likely pushes for a more balanced regular season. And I think that's just, that is great. I think that is a long time coming that with playing all 29 teams. I think that's cool. Kind of the, that's what they do in the NBA. Every team, you know, you're going to play. So there's like, you're going to play Mike Trout. You know, you're going to play LeBron James. You're going to play Kobe Bryant when he was playing. Yeah. You know, you're going to see the best team. Even if it's on the road and you're watching your team play them on TV, but you are going to play the best team. I'm cool so, with that. I, I think that's awesome. I am too. I don't, I don't hate all this stuff. It's just some of it. Just and I hate and I hate 19 division games. I just hate, I hate that it's too. too many man. Yeah, well, you hate too it as a many. player too because then you go face you know Joey Votto in yeah. the playoffs. He's already seen as a reliever. Right. He's already seen everything more you got. Than enough. Yeah. Um, Thirteen would be more than enough. Twelve's good. Yeah. Twelve, thirteen of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you had, I guess if you had twelve, you'd screw it up because you could have you'd mess up that head-to-head thing. So I guess it would have to be odd number of games, right, against every team. So you don't have that. Uh, t- so you don't have to go to tiebreakers. It's just head-to-head, which is best. The best head-to-head. Yeah. Um, so, and, and the other thing that Tom and Verducci thought is that it'll also this will also hasten the arrival of the DH. In the NL, if you're playing a balanced schedule, playing everybody, yeah, I've, that's true. I've, 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 I hate the DH, but hey, I don't if, care either if, way. It's it's inevitable, I think. Well, yeah, it's I happening. hate it, but I, it's coming. It's coming. So you just grin and bear it. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, there were often uh, the, a lot of people saying, "Why offer this format to the players? You know, why is the MLB doing this? More money, obviously." Yep. And it could be more money for players through expanded playoffs, more playoff shares, all that. It's events. Sports fans uh, increasingly they love. They're so used to big events, you know, like uh, like the college football form. I think they've ruined the bowl games, but those playoff games and that sh- selection show is a big event. I guess it gets huge ratings and the two games get massive ratings, the playoffs games and then the championship game, the semis in the, but I don't know. I think the trade-off is you ruined all the other bowls, but the yeah. expanded <laughs> playoff format 
creates up to, this is pretty cool, creates up to 12 elimination games out of a maximum of 18 first-round games. Yeah. If you think about that. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. The events, the whole events thing, I guess that's where it's all going, but. I don't, I don't, I don't need it. <laughs> and you'd have, you know, and, and but I do love the whole format of the, of the scheduling thing. Cause think the Yankees and the Dodgers would play every year, you know, you know, the Braves would play the Yankees every year. Uh, yeah. And uh, every, you know, every other year you're going to get to see Mike Trout and, and certain players you wouldn't, you wouldn't get a look at, you know, otherwise, but, um, your team's going to play them either home or road every year. Yeah, every every other year you're going to get to see them. So that I mean that's that's awesome. I don't I don't have any problem with that. I don't I don't hate all this stuff. Some of it just yeah. feels like what are we doing? But, yeah. So so but uh, the, the, in theory the thing is designed to make incentive to spend. You think it could backfire? But I, in recent years, teams have pulled back from spending to build more. Uh, of what they believe is a likely playoff team for the future. But it's the, the idea would be that instead of waving the white flag now and trading away players at the deadline, if you're a team that's 10 games out of first place, like I said, behind three or four others, you'll have more incentive to spend, to add players at the deadline rather than trade them away. But you don't, you don't, you don't really trust it. You, I don't you, trust you're, you're it. A, you're a former player. You've seen what management and ownership does. So just all these things, whenever they happen, Could be right. I, I, my mind just goes to how is this going to, you know, lead the team saving money? And and I also feel like I'm being distracted from all the the nonstop news that's coming out, you know, with the Astros, which is nice to talk about something else, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it just for me, it just seems like a way for a team to, you know. Say the Red Sox could still make the playoffs this year after they trade their best player and they trade David Price. Um, yeah, I don't. I just don't trust it, and I don't know. I think the only way to stop teams from tanking is to have like a, a minimum amount of wins you have to get to to get revenue sharing money. Um, yeah, because, that's interesting. Because you got you've had like the luxury tax come, came out, and it was supposed to kind of level the playing field and let, let teams like you know the Pirates and Rays uh, keep up with the Yankees and. All it did was they're still spending forty million, and and then you got you just have the Yankees spending less, so everybody's just keeping more money because of the luxury tax. It's not really leveling the, the playing field and at the all. Pirates are making a ton of money, being and they're raking teams. in dough by being bad teams. So yeah. I feel like this just allows it just kind of lowers the bar of what you need to to put out there to make the playoffs if it does anything. Um, and the. the People, a lot of a lot of I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and stuff say that this cheapens the regular season even more. It becomes like an NBA. It season. does. I don't want um, NBA because everybody's making the playoffs. Then you start Tom watching. Some Tom Verducci wrote something interesting though. He said September this should make September better because there are strong incentives attached to seeding. In other words, being the number one seed rather than the number two seed, or being the two seed rather than three seed, because you get to pick your opponent. Right, but does do you, you think know? the revenue from from making the playoffs and playing a three-game series outweighs the savings of just tanking in the first place i don't know i don't know i think it would have to be on a case-by-case basis but you can rake in some dough playing a three-game playoff series at home you can rake in some dough taking revenue sharing money and spending 40 mil too that's a tough sell to your you try to sell it your fans though you know that you know we don't want to play in that best of three first round because we can't win the world series they're selling. Like you, <laughs> they're selling these rebuilds like pretty to, well. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and, and and think about that as he points out the battle for the number four seed would be huge because the number four seed gets to put up the three playoff games at home while the number five seed could get none. <laughs> yeah, because it has to. Yeah, it has to play a team that picks it to play it in the first round. So. I don't trust it. Anyway, <laughs> the Players Association, the union is still reviewing these ideas. It seems like the earliest this could be in place would be 2022 at the earliest because uh, the current CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, ends after the 2021 season. Uh, there's a lot of suspicion that this is the MLB's way of trying to get the Players Association to kind of suck it up and go, all right, we'll let the current CBA ride for a couple of years if you put this thing in. It means more money to the players and blah, blah, blah. But uh, – our Evan Drylock from the uh, from the Athletic talked to some people on and off the record from the Players Association yesterday, and that ain't going to happen. It sounds like they're not going to they're not if if that was Rob Manfred's idea is to get the CBA get the uh, players union to kind of say okay we'll uh, we'll push back collective bargaining agreement uh, negotiating the new one for a couple of years if we can get this thing in place that ain't going to work uh, from what he's talked the player the people he talked to at the union. Uh, he said, uh, Evan Wright, that even though, oh, he said the reason why this might seem an odd time to do this with the CBA, there's still two full seasons to go before the CBA. So why are they, why are they putting this in there now? Why, why not just wait? The thing is, two of MLB's television contracts are expiring at the same time as the CBA after the 21 season. So if they put this in place, they can sell that to the TV to the, for the when they try to sell those new TV contracts. Yeah, if they have this playoff format in place, they can get a lot more money in those t- the, those TV deals rather than you know, the uncertainty of going. We're thinking about doing this in the future and blah blah blah. So you know, it's all money. It always is. Yeah, but in the case of these TV contracts, that's hundreds of millions of dollars difference. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if it's I don't know if the reality. Selection shows really. I I think the big thing MLB is really focusing on is is trying to, or at least I say that's just trying to get you know young kids to you know the youth to be interested in the game and 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 kind of usher in a younger generation of fans and stuff. But yeah, it just feels like a constant money grab. Like I said about yeah. you know the, well, the advertisements and all that, the the clips that keep coming up. It's like you have to sit through some Jaguar commercial every time you click yeah. on a new clip on, on the website or something, it's 16 year olds don't buy Jaguars, you know, they, they don't want to sit through an ad every single time they click on a highlight. Their you parents know. do though, I guess. But anyway, I know I hate the ads. I hate them. Um, you know, when the walk card was, was instituted, most of us traditionalists, I don't know how you felt, but I, I was strongly against the wild card and it, I quickly realized it was a good thing because it worked. It, what they wanted to do was get more communities, more teams, in the playoffs. Involved in the playoffs. And it worked. Now you got so many more teams that are playing for something, whereas before, so many teams were done in July. Tapping especially, out. especially when you had superpowers that, you know, took 20-game leads in a division. The whole rest of the division was done at the All-Star break. So it worked. And I think this is just obviously an extension of that. They're thinking if it worked once, it'll work again. Get even more teams involved. You know that's the idea. Well, so from it's from not that hard to see from what, that aspect, what, yeah, I think I think that's good because you're going to have way more teams, you know, with a chance, and whether yeah. no matter what they're doing, you got you're going to have four more teams in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got 14 teams, and you know, total. So you'd have six more. Well, I guess there's there's ten now because you got the the wild ten, card game. Yes, yeah, ten now because you have two wild cards, and one of them's eliminated with one game. 
Yeah, so. that's good. And I just said, you know, five minutes ago that I'd if the Mariners just played in a wild card game, you know, I'd be fired up and I'd be there at the stadium or, or watching it on TV. So it's it's good from that standpoint just to be in it. Yeah. It's great for it's great for teams. So you know, it could it could be a good thing. I'm not I'm not totally against it. Yeah, yeah. Let's see how it plays out. Um, uh, the, the union doesn't have to approve the changes ahead of time, though, before the CBA expires, and it doesn't look like they're going to. Uh, typically, a fl- playoff format is something that is in the negotiations when they're hammering out the CBA. So it's kind of odd that they would do it before that. But again, it's you know it's trying to get to, trying to sell the TV. Uh, the union could, of course, use this as a negotiating ploy because they could ask for something big like. Um, the two things that we've we've both said need to happen anyway. They, the way the current uh, free agency works now, guys are getting to free agency and they're on the downside of their career already. Yeah, because the game has changed now. It's got it's skewed so far to, to to the youth that guys thirty and older, they're a lot of times scraping for one year deals. So, and 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 they're not and a lot of guys aren't getting to free agency until they're twenty nine, thirty years old. So that's. That's something that the union is probably going to ask for in this next CBA, and and if they maybe they would agree to this thing ahead of time, if they ask, uh, you know, make a big, big demand, which would be start arbitration a year earlier, at least a year earlier, or or and or start free agency a year earlier. I think they're going to you know, want to move. Both they're up. going to want to move both up, and I think both of them need you know, to move up a year. The union's well aware that the last CBA did not go their way <laughs> that yeah. they're, they're getting crushed yeah. and you know i'm criticizing teams i'm criticizing teams right now for you know tanking and all that but but we enabled it by agreeing to the luxury tax in the first place and um it just a lot of the, a lot of the focus the last um bargaining agreement was on you know it was like food in the clubhouses and all these luxuries and things like that and, and i think we were just a little short-sighted and we got killed but um i think this next one um I think a lot of players are pissed off, and I think this next one, guys are going to be ready to fight, and and definitely they'll be, they're going to want. If this is how it's going to be, you know, where free agency is not really what it used to be, they're going to want to move that up. They're going to want the players yeah. that are uh, two year two years of service getting paid more because you know that's a majority of the rosters now are guys in that one to six range. So they're going to want to move that up yeah. to five. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be yeah. it's going to be it's definitely going to be ugly. I think. Uh, Evan writes something good, uh, interesting, what we were talking about. He says, if the league wants to make this one major change and otherwise preserve most of the current CBA, even if only for a short-term basis of, say, three years, it appears highly unlikely the union will bite. To the union, adding playoff teams is not a sufficient remedy for its concerns about competitiveness. And that's what you're talking about. Not at all. Other concessions in areas such as minimum salary likely would not be sufficient either. The feeling is that union might ask for massive changes in the CBA during negotiations over the next 20 months, such as pushing for players to either reach arbitration or free agency sooner. So for sure. Um, all right, well, let's move on from that. that. That's interesting stuff. I know we spent a lot of time on it, but that's pretty big stuff. Um, and, 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 and MLB is certainly getting plenty of public reaction that <laughs> in the age of social media, you don't have to wait long to run it up the flagpole. You get an immediate response. Immediate. <laughs> Most of yeah. what I saw was ba- was bashing it. Yeah, but I think that's you know you can't go just on what you see on Twitter. Right, I think there's a lot of people that would like this, especially in those markets that you know aren't usually in the playoffs. But uh, I wanted to ask you about Mike Fultonavich on a completely different subject. As far as I know, Fulte hasn't been interviewed since we talked to him right after 
The immediate aftermath of Game 5, first inning misadventure against the Cardinals, 10 runs, well, most of which went against him and uh, and then the others against Freed. But uh, Fulte, the starter, of course. We talked to him after that game, and then since then, I don't think he's done one postgame, one uh, uh, interview this offseason. And we were going to talk to him at uh, ChopFest. We talked to almost all the players, all the ones that were there. But like an hour before his scheduled thing, they canceled it. They really didn't really give a reason, said something came up. So we're going to get Fulte the next day or two here because pitchers and catchers report tomorrow and then first workout is uh, Thursday. So we will talk to him, and I'm sure he'll be his regular self, uh, get him every day if we want. But um, he also stayed off, at least as far as I saw, social media. And he's a guy that's on Twitter a lot during the season. So – I think that was probably a good idea considering some of the keyboard warriors, uh, the, the shit they would have been giving him yeah. <laughs> after that game. And Fulte is not the type that lets it just roll off his back either. He usually gives it right back and it leads to some ugly uh, back and forth as happens on Twitter. You know, that's, there's just no win situation. But do you think he's handled this well in that kind of going low? I'm sure he's been spent the offseason hanging out with his little kids. He's got two little kids. Uh, and I bet his wife and him have been playing with the kids and, and, and Fulte working out. And I think it's probably a good idea just to lay low. And But but you wonder, he's going to have to get this off his chest if he hasn't already moved past it. Uh, you, yes. Look, man, a bad season weighs on you uh, because you can't fix yeah. it. You know, you got it's it's motivating. So you spend the whole offseason. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's been I'm sure he's been busting his ass and thinking about that game a lot, you know, what went wrong, what he could do different. Um, people said he might've been tipping pitches or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But laying low is the move, man. I don't, I don't understand. I had no active social media when I played. Um, uh-huh. I just, it's, you gotta be a psychopath, honestly, because it just, just nothing good comes out of it for me as a player. Um, when I was with Seattle, I was really into, you know, reading the papers and, and because my first two years up, it was all good. It was, you know, this this young lefty throwing. He's he's going to yeah. be, you know, he's maybe close this year, maybe a closer. And if you read all this positive stuff and you start almost like, you know, a lot of it, it affects a lot of your self-worth. And then uh, 2008, I came out and just got shelled. And you can't help yourself but start reading some of the comments and things said about you. And yeah. it can really, I mean, it can really mess with your head. So after that year, I, I kind of just learned my lesson. I never read any paper again the rest of my career because I just, you know, I just didn't trust myself to to handle it well. You know, the, the criticism and and sometimes, man, in 2008, I was on the mound thinking about articles that have been written about me. Wow. Um, and it, it can have that much of an effect on a guy. So, uh, you know, maybe he just kind of learned his lesson yeah. and checked out on all that. And I think that's the best yeah. best move as a player you can make. Um, and you notice it, you know, you, you saw all the Astros were – pretty vocal all the time and, and calling people out and yep. saying everything they're saying. You haven't heard a word from them because it's, it's yep. tough times to, to be Bregman or Verlander or somebody like that. Um, anything they say, there's always, always going to be somebody to bring up their cheating from, from here on out. So for Fulte, mm-hmm. if he's interacting on there at all, there's going to be some guy that but he could post yep. a picture of his dog and his, you know, some yep. guy's going to pop up and say, well, that yeah. dog wouldn't have given up 10 runs in the first inning. <laughs> you know, you, you can't escape it. And, I, I think guys just kind of learn throughout their career that, that yeah, um, you know, it's a shame because there's a lot of good interactions that happen and a lot of people I'm sure still believe in Fulte and support him. But right. that negative energy, man, it's just so much more yeah. powerful than somebody patting you on the back. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe he just learned that lesson. Good for him. 
Um, but I think he'd probably be checking out on that stuff for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, he gets, he's got a, you know, he's got a temper and, and he, it, it pisses you off when people, you yeah. know, the cloak of anonymity on Twitter and they call you names, people that you know, uh, you know, uh, they have, ne- they haven't worked half as hard as you have at your craft. They haven't done the same in whatever they do probably. And they're sitting there ripping you for, you know, the worst day of your career. You don't need to have more people. Yeah. But and you could, and you can argue all day long. Those times uh, the only way out of it it's is a no win situation being on Twitter as an athlete or a celebrity. I just don't understand why people even try. You're not going to win that battle. No, you can't win. The only, the only way out of it is to pitch better. That's it. Yeah. You, and, yeah. and you learn that, you know, it's, there's, there's tons of good fans out there, man. There's a ton. And the the in person yeah, interactions more than there are not yeah right the in person interactions are are generally pretty yeah. positive you know I, I remember right. even when I was struggling with the Braves my last couple of years if I would have got online it would have just been this guy sucks because right. positive people don't feel the need to go <laughs> scream right. scream on Twitter you know so you'd have they get ripped too if right. they told you you know hey yeah. Eric we're still with you they'd get ripped yeah, this guy sucks you know and yeah. You'd see him and I'd see Braves fans on the road and they'd be like, Hey man, you were so awesome this year. Yeah. You know, keep it up, you know, keep your head up, keep, keep grinding. And those right. interactions are generally pretty positive. It takes a lot bigger person to, or crazier person, I guess, to go talk shit to an athlete in, in person and scream something at him. But it's pretty easy yeah. to just get behind a keyboard and tell this guy he yeah. fucked up your fantasy league last year yeah. and you're still mad at him for it. Um, so I think, you know, just as a general rule, uh, I think athletes should just really not not be on there for their own sanity. Yeah. Ask Snit at Chopfest about how he thinks Fulci is going to respond to that game five. And he said, I think it'll be fine. I don't think there'll be any hangover or anything like that. If it's anything, one game. I think he'll, prob- he'll probably just be like the whole club. It didn't go the way we planned. And I think everybody is anxious and tromp- chomping at the bit to go south and get this thing going again. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to go out and prove it on the field. There's no reason to to worry about what's being said online about you. You go crazy reading all that crap. How, uh, how important do you think, uh, Fulte is to this rotation, considering that the Braves have a 22 year old ace with barely one full season under his belt with Mike Soroka and a 36 year old, likely number two starter in Hamels, who was still very good for most of last season, but he's obviously going to show his age at some point. The Braves just hope it ain't this year with sign him to a one year, $18 million deal. But how, how important do you think Fulte is to this rotation? Man, he could, he could carry it. You saw who he was, you know, at, at yeah. times last year, he had a, he had an off year last year. Then he kind of put it together. But when he puts it when together, he man, he's unhittable. Away. He's an ace. He legitimately, he's got ace stuff when he puts it together. Um, and it, for me, just as in, as a whole, this rotation could go any way. Um, because yeah, just because, of, say, man. yeah, just because of the inexperience, you know, um, Freed yeah. could be, Freed could be Sandy Koufax this year. He could be a, yeah. going to a sophomore slump and same with, I don't, I don't really worry about Soroka just because he seems to, he's, he really just knows how to pitch and, and he's yeah. got, he has that ability to generate soft contact and it's just the life on his ball. I don't think's going anywhere. He's just got to throw strikes and, and be himself. But you look up and down the rotation, man, it's not necessarily question marks, but there's just. There's plenty that yeah. could go really, really right, and plenty that go, you know, could go really, really wrong. So, um, a lot of it's kind of up in the air. But generally, I feel like it's pretty strong. When you when you're when you're the guy with the least questions on your staff is 22 years old. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an unusual situation. It is. But I'm with you. I was thinking about that. 
I don't think there's another team in baseball that has a starting rotation that could legitimately go as far in either direction as this Braves rotation. And by that, I mean, I think it wouldn't surprise me if they are a top five rotation in the NL. If Soroka pitches like he did last year, if Fulte pitches like he did in 18, and then last year after he got back from AAA, if Nuke wins a spot and pitches like he did for most of uh, two th- about half of 2018, and if Freed stays healthy. Yeah. Yeah, the health. And thing obviously if Hamels and, and if Hamels pitches like yeah, if Freed avoids blisters, if Hamels pitches like he did last season with the Cubs, uh, for about two thirds of the year before he pulled his oblique and then rushed back too soon. So if all those things happen, or four out of the five, I think there'll be a top five rotation in the in the NL. Really do. But <laughs> the talent's if you there. Think about the things, but if you think about the things that could go that don't go their way. If Fulte pitches like he did before he was sent down last year, if Soroka, Soroka has a sophomore slump or any recurrence of the shoulder issues that cut short his 18 season, or Freed has blisters again like he's had throughout his career at times, or if Nuke can't throw strikes, yep. or King Felix pitches like he did the last three years in Seattle and not anywhere near the way he pitched for the first 12 years in Seattle, or none of the kids are ready, or they struggle like you know they did last year when Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, Tukey, all of them struggled last year. So, I mean, if if two or three of those things happen, it's not hard to see this Braves team as a bottom five rotation in the NL. Yeah, I think a lot would would have to go wrong for that to be the case. And you got yeah. you got plenty of guys yeah. down in AAA chomping at the bit too, you know, ready to ready yeah. to step up. So it's not like they don't have backup plans. It's just. Um, yeah. Not even I wouldn't even call these guys question marks. It's it's just there's just Mostly so much potential. Yeah, and age. you know, health and age really. And Soroka's for me the guy that I'm just like this dude's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah the talents I think there. So too. Yeah, fortunate and fortunately for them, I think uh, if a couple of those things did go wrong, they have such a, a what should be a damn good bullpen this year, bullpen this year that I think they can cover a lot of those issues that in the past. You couldn't really have counted on that, you know. Even last year, from, until they made the until they made the trade for the three veteran relievers at the at the uh, trade deadline, you couldn't count on the pen to pick you up if your starter struggled and was out after four innings. And if they did pick you up one night, there's a real good chance you were going to be without a couple of those guys the next night, and you're going to be going with guys who will totally miscast as set up and closer, you know, for a game. So you're not going to have that situation this year if the bullpen stays reasonably healthy. Well, that's kind of the, the nice the nice thing about it is is it gives Snit a chance to cut some outings short. You know, if uh-huh. if 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 Nukes had one or two good ones and this one he's just yeah. battling to right. get through, you can yank him in the fifth and feel pretty confident in your bullpen if you're up, you know, six four or something like that. Yeah. Um, where when you have a bad bullpen, you're you're forced to rely on that starter and, and you'd need Nukem to get through seven. So it gives him, you know, it gives guys like Nuke and, and maybe Freed or, or Fulte a chance to, uh, it just to run up their pitch count and, and throw some, you know, three, two sliders and stuff and try to get through five or six versus knowing they have to yeah. go eight. Cause that's a lot of pressure on, on young pitchers. So you, that's a good point. The bullpen really takes, you know, it takes a, a, a good amount of pressure off those guys. And, and man, to have, to not have, uh, you got such a solid bullpen that you might not have to make some young guys wear it. And there's really nothing harder than watching a young guy wear it uh, <laughs> or anybody wear it and give up nine or 10 runs when they spend, and it just makes their whole year look like shit, you know, even if they, you know, cause they just spend the rest of the year trying to whittle it down. 
And that matters, man. It, it, it matters what, what numbers are posted on that board when you run out yeah. there. It shouldn't, but when you when you run out there with the two six ERA, you yeah. know you know the other team yeah. sees that. You know, so that yeah. that gives you some confidence that instead of when you run out there with yeah. a five and a half, whether whether it's right. one or two bad outings, that you right. know the other team just has this confidence. Like this guy, this exactly. dude sucks. He's got a five and a half. We're gonna rake him and confidence being so important in baseball. Um that's a big factor too that you know, like I said, you can protect you can protect Nuke from if he's just been skating through, you know, just sneaking mm-hmm. by for five innings. You can yank him before he gives up that four spot. Where if 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 you don't have a pen you can count on, you just you force you force him to try to battle through two or three more innings and he gives up a six spot in the seventh. You know, you can kind of you can kind of cut some outings short and protect these guys a little bit. That's that's one of the big luxuries of having that good of a bullpen. Even Mad Dog at the end of his career was five and fly, man. He had to have good bullpens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No. Um, wrap it up. What were your thoughts? We talked about this a little bit on the Mookie Betts trade. Um, it's too much being made out of this as a sign of one big thing that's wrong with baseball, that a big market, high revenue team would trade one of the best three or four players in the game just because they didn't want to get nothing for him when he likely would leave as a free agent after the season. That trying to win with him this season took a backseat to long-term sustainability, as they say, flexibility, whatever. Uh, as the Red Sox GM basically said at the press conference yesterday, you know, that they want to be sustainable and be able to compete year after year. But if you're a fan, you're going with the Red Sox, man. Well, yeah, if you, you can't say that. Ted Williams when he's got a year left before free <laughs> right. agency, if they did back then. Well, you can't say that without the luxury tax, right? But the thing is, is you don't know what Mookie said to him. He might have said he's testing free agency no matter what. And then right. for me, they get a pass because right. if they don't, if they feel like they might lose him, and congrats, you get a first round draft pick. But right now, they're they're raking in a couple really good prospects or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, man, you know, mm-hmm. the luxury tax is the thing because they could afford to pay him four hundred million. They just, they don't want to pay yeah. this tax, and if it's such a problem, man, you know, ownership wanted big. this luxury tax, right? Yeah. for a reason. So now they it's act not like the it's big this, deal to have it for a year or two, you know, and then reset. Yeah, but that's what they're doing is is they're resetting yeah. it. So, but you act yeah. like it's this big, you know, burden. It's just, then just get rid of it. The players aren't going to mind. Uh, yeah. So you can't yeah, really right. like you, you can't have it both ways. No, you're you right. can't you can't blame shit on the luxury tax that you voted for, and and yeah. and try to. Use it. That's why I say I don't ever really trust the motives behind this stuff because it's all about just pocketing more cash. No, no, you don't trust trust ownership. Imagine that. No, I mean, yeah, I'm a little biased, but um, hey, I don't know. I I like the I love the David versus Goliath factor in baseball where you got the A's taking on the Yankees doing it two yeah. completely different ways and the Rays. Right, the Rays, Rays taking on the Yankees. Yeah, right. But the it's cool when the Rays do it because they don't have a choice. You know, yeah, they do it year after year. Uh, yeah. And they do it year after year. Yeah, but you know, you can if you're gonna congratulate teams like the Yankees on Red Sox and Red Sox for doing a little mini rebuild and putting it together and doing it this savvy way, it's congrats, but you didn't have to do that. You you know, you you could have just worn it. And and I like when teams do that. I like when teams are Goliath and say, Look, we made some stupid moves, but it doesn't matter because we're the Yankees. We'll yeah. just burn those contracts and spend more money. And it pisses fans off that that certain teams can do that, but that that dynamic itself is so good for baseball when you have a team like like the Rays finding a way to beat you know the Yankees yeah. who were spending yeah. all this cash and and that's a great storyline you know it's, that's why it feels so good when you beat them because it's unfair right yeah 
So for me, yeah. it's the whole Mookie Betts trade thing. It's just it's focused around the luxury tax and and whatever. But you know, ownership wanted that. Yeah, to me, it just sounds like you know the Red Sox are doing a higher payroll version of the same shit. Of what the Braves did when they started their rebuild, and they talked that nonsense about walking two paths concurrently. Yeah. In other words, they were going to rebuild but stay competitive. Right. Well, how long did it take for us to realize that's not happening? They lost. 90 straight games a couple years, 90 or more games a couple years in a row. They were nowhere near competitive. I think you know? at some point fans will just stop buying it, you know, especially when some of these rebuilds don't work. If it, Yeah, the it, Red Sox still have a lot of talent. They can be they competitive. Do. Yeah, they're not rebuilding. That, I'm not saying they're rebuilding, but, really. But they're but, not going to win the division without bets. And if you add in a 17th wild card, they don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's, that's how I'm seeing it all, you know. I... I I really had to. Everybody, the the lauding David Price though the last couple of days was a bit much. It's like, come on, can we can we? I know David Price is a good guy and he did some great things for Boston, but can we give up ta- acting like he's still David Price of old? You know? Yeah. I mean, he's not a great pitcher anymore. He was in the playoffs. He helped them win a World Series. You know? Oh, he was he was one of the best ever for a while. But he's not anymore. That's true. Well, anyway. Yeah, I don't think in a town like Boston that whole thing's going to sit very well. Those pay, those people expect the old town team to compete every year for titles. Now they got spoiled. And uh, they pay so much money. That, that ballpark, it's like Wrigley, ironically, with Chris Bryant. <laughs> the Cubs yep. are in, in a similar situation. And those are the two ballparks, Fenway and Wrigley, that have turned into cash cows, the nostalgic old ballparks that everybody wants to be at, even if the team's not in first place. And, they, you know, the price, the ticket prices are enormous. The price of beer, souvenirs, the well-heeled fans that come out there, those they have so much revenues pouring into those two ball clubs between the ballpark and the licensing, the, the broadcast rights, fees, the revenues for, for those two teams. Yeah. I mean, these they're making a lot of money, man. Yeah, that's 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 the point, and you, they could afford probably a five hundred million dollar payroll if 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 they wanted yeah. to. But and you're trading Chris Bryant with two years left on his contract before free agency. I mean, and they might have the same notion that that Chris Bryant's going to test free agency, but at the same time, oh yeah, you know, he is. With you can't oh, sign he him definitely back. Definitely is. He's filed a grievance, you know, yeah. <laughs> to try to get one year closer to free agency. Scott Boris is his agent. He's testing free agency. That's for, for sure. That's sure. A given. But but why not just pay his do. price? I, well, that's what the fans would like. I mean, they got T-shirts <laughs> all over the place with, what is it, Brizzo? I mean, those are the two guys, him and Rizzo. Those are two guys they built around You know, that everybody all, identifies with. It, there used to be uh, – Lance Berkman had this quote. I can't remember how many years ago, but he wanted everyone in baseball to stop working out so he could stop working out. You know, he's <laughs> he's talking about everybody on these diets and, and, and everybody's working out so hard. It's like then everybody else has to work out to keep up. It kind of feels like that logic where it's like if we can just get everybody to stop spending money – Nobody has to spend money. <laughs> and keep charging the same prices. Keep charging and, the same price. And raking in the same TV money and the yeah. online internet money and all that. <laughs> yeah. So players aren't immune to that mindset either. You know, if everybody stopped working out, then none of us have to work out. We'll keep getting paid. But that's that's kind of what it all feels like. There'd be some empty stadiums, that's for damn sure. It's too easy nowadays to sit home and watch them. Yeah, but an empty stadium doesn't hurt you anymore with all the revenue sharing money, the TV money, all the money coming in. 
Um, yeah, it, but you're still making some of those luxury boxes, man. There's a lot of sure. money made in those luxury boxes. For but sure. Yeah, the regular seats. They're not making a whole lot in the regular seats. You're right. Don't Unless need them. Unless it's a place like Fenway where the regular seats are. Don't need really them. And then they're blacked out at home. <laughs> they're yeah. sitting at home and they can't Dodgers, watch the game. Can you believe the Dodgers is still like, I'm not sure the exact percentage, but it's still about half of LA cannot watch the Dodgers. Can That's you believe a shame. that? That's a shame. That's unbelievable. As exciting as that team is and that whole atmosphere, you know, that just the game from Dodger Stadium looks so good on TV. And they that's, can't get the TV deal worked out. That's not hurting them. Half the cable company. <laughs> they got more no, money than anybody. You know, I mean, of all the places, too, for if you want to see the Dodgers, you have to go to the game. That's a little difficult in L.A. if you live an hour away <laughs> trying to get to a game at Dodger Stadium. You got to leave at 2 o'clock. Exactly, man. That's why they all. That's why so many Dodger stadiums, Dodger fans, arrive in the third inning and leaving the seventh, man. Yeah, they get I mean, criticized for for showing up. Yeah, it's like, no, I don't they, blame them at all. They left the house at three <laughs> thirty. All right. Well, we're gonna have plenty to talk about Bravos wise starting tomorrow. Braves report, spring training, pitchers and catchers. They'll work out a few days. Rest of the full squad, the ones that aren't arriving early, which more and more, that's half the team these days at least, arrives early. But officially, the full squads will be starting next week. We're going to have plenty to talk about in the next show. Uh, and then not long after that, we're going to be going to two-a-day format. So going to be a lot of stuff going on, and we hope you guys will stick with us this year. and should be exciting. We're looking forward to it, having a full season with the old podcast here. Sounds good. But- All right, we'll talk to y'all Tuesday after uh, we've had some workouts down here. 755 is real. We're out.